Welcome to Care More, Be Better, a podcast for people like you who care about the social impact of conscious companies and everyday heroes. Hear inspiring stories from those who put people and planet before profit and personal gain. You'll learn how you can make a difference, vote with your dollars, and get involved today. Here's your host, Karina Belizzi. Hello, fellow do-gooders and friends. I'm your host, Karina Belizzi, an activist and cause marketer who's passionate about social impact and sustainability. In our first few episodes, we took you on a journey to Greece and invited you to care more about refugees in need. We dug into how to navigate difficult conversations with people who have opposing views to our own, and we introduced you to a pay-it-forward business that got started in the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic. Each week, we share stories of conscious companies and inspired individuals, just like the guest you'll meet today. My hope by now is that you see a trend, that one person can be the change, that you too can have an impact. Today, you'll meet DeAndre Wilson. He is a self-described serial entrepreneur and activist. He lives by example to be an agent of change by championing access for folks to get the resources, mentoring, and support they need to build a successful future. In his spare time, DeAndre created a fundraising platform, the Keep Rolling Campaign, in which he pushes a tractor tire around his town to commemorate his father's life, bring attention to the struggles of people with cancer, and help them with financial support. Since launching the Keep Rolling campaign, DeAndre has transformed himself mentally and physically, losing over 50 pounds. DeAndre's most recent endeavor and community collaboration is the Bedford Collab Project that gathers members of the community through culture, cuisine, and conversation. Now, I got introduced to DeAndre through another podcast, Beyond Six Seconds, where you get a deeper dive into individuals and learn a little bit more about them beyond that first impression. So, DeAndre, as we get started, I'd like to better understand your activistic path. Like, what inspired you to really head forward with this type of change? The the type of change that's, that's really inspired me was to take ownership of my life I really strive to do that every single day, you know, no excuses, live very structured, achieve the goals that I've set out for myself. And so I do that and, and through taking ownership of my life and, and just being an example of this is what you can do when you're committed, when you're when you're focused. You know, ever since I started rolling the tire, the huge tractor tire around Evansville, I feel like there's nothing I can't do now. I mean, to just wheel this thing all over the place, back into there and from, I feel like there's nothing I can't do anymore. So let's talk about that, this big tractor tire that you roll around Evansville. I mean, what inspired you to take this on, this obviously disruptive conversation starter that would get people to just stop you in your tracks? What led there? At this point in my professional career, turntable, catering, my brother and I, and we have these weddings and we have functions. And I mean, we're really getting after it. We set out to go to college to better ourselves within the hospitality and culinary industry. And we're doing just that. Well, we lost turntable. The kitchen we were leasing from had to go. It it went away. There was just some bad business practices and we lost that space. 
Mm. So I have all this free time. I'm an entrepreneur. What am I supposed to do with myself now? So I was in my backyard, relaxing on the back porch, just thinking through where I'm going to find a kitchen now. So in this meantime, I could start working out. You know, at this time I'm weighing 240 pounds. I'm like, hey, I'm going to do something. And I wasn't going to get a gym membership at the time. But I remember my dad saying that rolling the tire is a full body workout. And at this point, my dad had been uh, passed away for four years up until this point of the story. Mm. And so I had all of his belongings. Like I had the tire in our garage. And I remember him just saying it over and over again. It's a full body workout, full body workout. So I get the tire out and I start working out with it. Hitting it with the sledgehammer, working out. I decided to just roll it down the street. And it was so frustrating that I couldn't do it. But my dad, battling stage four liver cancer and colon cancer, took this tire wherever he chose to after chemo. You know, he would come home, eat whatever he wanted, and then he was off for the day with his tire. And I'm like, what excuses do I have to at least walk around my neighborhood every single day for at least an hour? something I could be doing to get to, to take ownership of my health and my life. The tire grew on me. I started taking it everywhere. Next thing you know, the media, as you said, disrupt a lot. Here in Evansville, where I live, is very conservative. And so to see a tire like that, especially a man of color doing it, it was very disruptive. Take the, I took the tire everywhere. I went absolutely everywhere you could possibly think of within the town. You name it. I went there. And, and yes, I disrupted a lot. So help me understand this. Your father used the tracker tire as a way to stay fit when he was alive. Correct. So my father wanted to get into bodybuilding. And so I, I was very blessed to always grow up with a gym in the house or nearby the house, something to that effect. Of course, I came into the world. And so, you know, a child slows down your plans or plans have to shift. But my father still stayed in shape regardless he still worked out. Couldn't be on that extreme of a bodybuilder, but he was always fit, always this buff guy. And there's pictures on my social media of him. So he was always fit no matter what. But when you're battling two forms of cancer, you lose a lot of weight, obviously. It takes a toll on the body. And so he wanted to make something uh, out of the rest of his life. You know, he didn't want to go without a fight. He would get that tire and he used it for him, yes, a way to just stay in shape, but also a way to talk to people he never would have talked to before, to share his story with people within the neighborhood and the surrounding areas. He had a lot of support connected with a lot of people. And it's interesting that a tractor tire can do that, can bring in conversations and, and navigate conversations. It's amazing what it's done, but it's surprising that it took a tire to do that. I've perused your social spaces and I've seen on your Instagram page, this giant tire, you pushing it around, you know, in workout gear or just sometimes street clothes, it seems. It has stenciled on the side, cancer sucks, correct? Now, was that something that your father had put there or was that your creation? So on one side, my father had cancer sucks. And on the other side, he had some graffiti words. Only one picture that really displays what he had on the other side. But me, you know, being careless, I left the tire in the rain over the course of four years. So the rain was washed away one side, but protected the other side. 
And there's also some videos on my social media where on the other side that was blank now, I put cancer sucks on that side. So now it's on both sides. Yeah. Well, it is kind of beautiful. Isn't that kind of cathartic too? Like there was this working art on one side and this message on the other. You finally, after four years, discovered it kind of anew and said, I want to be able to pay forward my father's legacy in some way. Mm -hmm. Definitely. You started rolling. Tell people about the Instagram page. It's called Keep Rolling, right? Yeah, Keep Rolling campaign on Instagram. And the goals and objectives is to simply raise money for nonprofits and families who are experiencing cancer that need extra financial assistance. I At first, I was rolling for just cancer-oriented nonprofits and foundations. But due to my community work, I decided to open it up to as many nonprofits as that I can help. So I pick four nonprofits a year and I raise them money each month. So my campaign will start next month in March. That'll be the first one. And we'll go all the way until October as of now. But November is on the table if a nonprofit was to reach out. Those four charities that you'll be supporting, how did you select them? Basically, I do my research either on social media are hanging out in a coffee shop. The word is getting around that Keep Rolling Campaign supports nonprofits financially. So now more and more board presidents or executive directors are reaching out to me saying, hey, we need some help, especially in this pandemic where everyone's in the sustainability and recovery phase. So any and all helps. $1,000 helps, $500 helps, whatever I can help raise. Well, I'd like to learn just a little bit more about these other things that you're doing in your community to help people gain access. This is something we spoke of offline a little bit earlier. So there's this other not-for-profit that you're involved with called the Bedford Collab Project. Can you talk about that? Yes, yes. So the Bedford Collab Project, it was something that was in the making for for many, many, many years. And as I mentioned before, my catering business lost its shared kitchen space that housed other foodpreneurs. So we're all out of business because we lost that kitchen space. And I was doing some research for years and years that there are shared commercial kitchen spaces all over, you know, upstate Indiana, Houston, Atlanta, you name it, they're all over the place, but they're not here in Southern Indiana. Mm -hmm. So I kept the good fight. I stayed to it. I told people, this is what we need. This is what we need to have if we want to sustain small businesses, especially in the restaurant industry who are not ready to take that huge leap and have a a full-time restaurant. So that's what I advocated for for a very long time. And here we are today My business partner and I for that project received $161,000 in grant funding to see this project through. At this point, we are generating more grants, finding more funding and finding more people who want to donate and contribute in their own way. But the purpose of Befford Collab is to sustain small businesses in the restaurant industry. You know, it is hard to go from business plan to get a loan, to open up a brick and mortar. There was never that entry point. And so with this type of space where you can lease out kitchen space to foodpreneurs of bakers and caterers and food truck owners, it puts us in a space where we can collaborate. Mm -hmm. We can share business. We can share ideas. We can network amongst ourselves. 
we can go tackle huge catering jobs together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Bedford collab is all about we're we're aiming to create that culture that's lacking here in Southern Indiana. We have our work cut out for us. Like I mentioned before, where, where I live is very conservative. So we've got our work cut out for us. But yes, that project is simply what it's called, you know, Bedford Collab. We, we want to collaborate. And even with entrepreneurs who aren't within the food industry, we want to be an access point. And that's one of my favorite words is access. We want to be an access point for entrepreneurs who want to start a lawn care business, who want to start a daycare, a barber shop, whatever they want to start. We want them to come to us. And I say that because in my entrepreneurial journey, when I first got started, I encountered so much red tape. I encountered so many no's. I encountered so many hurdles that I want to give back to the next generation by saying, hey, just come to me. And I will point you in a direction where you need to go to reduce all the time you're going to spend hearing no, being marginalized, all these pointless hurdles. It gets tiring, but I kept up the good fight. Well, I have to say that tends to be one of the things that stands in the way of people taking this step from being, let's say, an employee contributor to putting their own idea or their own passion out there. It's complicated to even discover you know, will I need to form an LLC or is it a corporation? What's my liability? How am I going to manage that? What about my food serving license or whatever? So it seems like what you're trying to do is cut through the red tape so people can take their livelihood into their own hands. Absolutely. I mean, there's various places I went to from banks to, oh, you name wherever. And it was just pointless red tape. I mean, just simply tell me what I need to do instead of saying, we'll do this one thing and then come back. And then I come back and then you have another hurdle. Okay, well, I get Mm -hmm. over that hurdle and I come back and I have something else to do. Just tell me what I need to do so I can take out my small business loan. So, yes, I want entrepreneurs to come to me and I can say right off the bat, that's an LLC or that's an S Corp or that's a C Corp or that's a sole proprietor. I can cut all that down based off my level of experience. Right. And with your experience specifically in kitchen work and food-related prep, I mean, you're you're really drilling down on that too. I heard the statistics that nine out of 10 restaurants fail in their first year. Is that consistent in your neck of the woods? Oh, absolutely. You're, that's an accurate statistic. You're very, very spot on with that. I think part of it has to do with potential investors, whatever that looks like. Yes, it is a risk. I completely understand that. It's very expensive. But due to thinking innovatively and creatively, you can get away from the conservative business model of a restaurant. Mm -hmm. You can rethink restaurant innovation. For example, someone wants a storefront and they have the dining area. Well, in your off hours, why don't you have event space Mm -hmm. that you offer? And then two, yes, I know the restaurant owner is busy, but you can throw your own events and have your own parties. Now, I know with the pandemic, we have percentages we have to work within, and I, and I respect that. However, if where you're located, if you can have 50 people or so or less, 
look into having some type of gathering space. Definitely rethink restaurant innovation. Yes, it's expensive, but we're going to have to get to a place where we think outside the box. Mm-hmm. And that's where we start to see creativity blossom and sustainability. But yes, other than that, restaurants, it nine out of tough. 10. Yeah. Now, um, food trucks are an interesting kind of segment within that population of restaurants. And I've seen a bit of an explosion there because the overhead costs are so much lower. But a lot of the food prep that has to go before you bring the food into the food truck, that's something you need the commercial space for. So um, that's something I imagine you're helping with through this Bedford Collab too. Yeah, that's what Bedford Collab is supposed to be. So again, we need that launch pad. Whether you want a restaurant brick and mortar or you want a food truck, you you need that kitchen space to get started, whichever avenue you take. Mm -hmm. So, and by you going into business and and you're on that launch pad, you can figure out ways to make money early. That way, starting a restaurant, which could be your dream for later in the future, may not be as expensive because you saved for it. The food truck was so profitable. You end up getting three and you can just fund the restaurant. It it all started with someone saying, hey, let's get started this way first. Mm -hmm. So it's like, I don't want to call it baby steps because this is not baby related (laughs) at all. Well, well, in a way, it it is baby steps. Absolutely. We, We are talking about let's crawl. And let's walk, let's stumble, let's crawl again, let's figure it out versus take off running. Yeah. So it, it, yeah, it is, it is baby step. It is that. Okay. So how many people do you have involved presently in the project? Or are there, let's say, five businesses involved right now with the Bedford Collab? I'm just kind of throwing a number out there. Okay. Well, you're really good because we do have five businesses <laughs> who are, <laughs> who are, well, three have given us a written commitment. Mm-hmm. So that's good. And then I'm talking to two more about coming into the space officially. How are you handling things like the COVID restrictions around the kitchen space? Like, I- I'm just wondering, like in this case, for instance, are there limitations on hours that one project can be in the building versus another? Or is this something where the space is big enough to accommodate for all of that, even given COVID restrictions? Yes, the the space is big enough to accommodate five businesses at one time, and that is it. Mm. So we want five businesses with the morning shift and then five businesses in the the p.m., the night shift. Of course, everyone must wear their mask, but... Well, this isn't going to be forever. (laughs) Hope not. I hope hope not. Well, it's interesting, too, because people are preparing food, and that may have been the safest way to do it all along anyway. I mean, we wear little plastic gloves and hairnets, so this feels like kind of a natural extension, even if it is less comfortable, particularly when it's hot. Now, I understand you're also involved in co-authoring a leadership book, and I'd love to hear you talk about that experience and how that happened and what you're proud of from it. It all started when I created my podcast tour. I simply put together a, a PDF file my, of my press kit, and I sent my uh, press kit out to any and all podcast owners and hosts via Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, YouTube, you name it. Searched them, found them, found their emails, sent it to them. I heard back from a particular podcast called Mind Shift 2020, 
the gentleman's name is Josh, and we connected via LinkedIn, and we had a great conversation back and forth. I said, this is, this is who I am. This is what I do. I would love to be on your podcast. And he said, no question about it. Come on to the show. Mm-hmm. So I shared the story of the Keep Rolling campaign, and he loved it. He then reached out a few months later and said, hey, I'm writing my next book. Would you like to write a chapter in it? I'm gathering entrepreneurs to write other chapters. And I said, well, absolutely. I've never even thought about publishing a book or being a part of a book, let alone write a chapter in a book. But I will definitely take this opportunity and I will, I'll deliver. I promise. I won't let you down. (laughs) And so I wrote maybe three different chapters to see which one I really liked, which one I could really express myself, get it out. Of course, there were a little bit of legal work that we had to do together, but that was fine. Once I was content on the write-ups that I did, I submitted, I think it was my third one I wrote that I was really, I really loved. I really felt like I just poured my heart out, got everything out, well-detailed, well-described. I even had my godparents look it over, had them check it. They even helped go back and forth. It took a while. A lot, a lot of red marks on my on my write-ups, on my rough drafts, but it's okay. The writing it is a character. process. Yeah, it writing is. is a process. It is, definitely is. So I submitted that form to Josh and uh, we created this book. I love it. It's opened up some opportunities here in Southern Indiana for me. A local bookstore is hosting a couple copies as well. I've been able to sell some copies, get them out. Our capital, Indianapolis, they want me to come up and talk about the book and do a book signing. So I've never thought that the Keep Rolling campaign, Rolling a Tire, would roll me into all these opportunities. But again, it's this tire being disruptive that's causing it. But yes, I mean, the overall experience, I'm proud of myself for doing something I never thought that I would do. I mean, I don't, I'm not a real big fan of reading. I just kind of got into reading this year officially. And so I've been purchasing like a lot of books. And I'm like, man, I've been, I've been missing out. Like really and true. Like I read stuff, don't get me wrong, but like to sit down, to read a book in a silent room, to be in the moment. I just really got into that. As you're rolling this wheel around, dropping 50 pounds, and I imagine quite a bit off your waistline, it's like you lost part half of a person, basically. <laughs> basically, basically. So how do you feel your life has changed from that point a few years back to today? What are the things that you could say you've learned most from it? I would say I've learned most from it from nutrition. No matter how hard you work out, professional or personal trainers and coaches say that it's either 70, 30, or 80, 20. 80% of what you consume and then 20% of your workout or 70% of what you consume and 30% of your workout. It's all about dieting, nutrition, and then how you eat and what you put into your temple. Because whatever you put into it is how you treat it. It's going to give it right back to you. Yeah, well, that could also, you could refer to your brain the same way too, right? Absolutely, you put in yes. what you get out. Absolutely. And, and so I've learned the importance of nutrition, eating my portion size. I don't you know, what what they say, pile the plate all the way up to where it's a few pounds and, and you eat so much, you have to go to sleep. I, I don't do that. I, I eat just what my body needs to keep me going. I also do intermittent fasting. I fast, I wake up at 4 a.m. so I can start coaching my fitness classes at 5 a.m. So I wake up at 4 a.m. and I don't eat until noon. 
So again, letting my body break down, repair itself, create new cells, become more focused throughout the day, I feel like, in my opinion, making sure my body is actually hungry. Because I feel like a lot of times, and I mean, I weighed 240, I was guilty of it. I felt like when your stomach growls, people just eat because it's growling. When in actuality, it doesn't really know what it needs. It's just learning that it needs something. So that's where I've been drinking almost two gallons of water each day. So when my stomach is growling, I'm like, okay, let me just drink some water and I'm mm-hmm. fine. And then let's just, just do that because it just doesn't know. But there's a point where it's like, okay, you need to eat something. And that's what comes into my portions, my portion size. Well, what's interesting about your journey with regard to nutrition, uh, I have a background in nutrition myself. I've worked for 20 some odd years in the natural products industry and selling supplements and things like that. So I know a bit about the, um, especially the supplement side of things. But Mm -hmm. what you're describing with this essentially fasting period of, it sounds like about a 16 hour or something like that. Yes. Right. So that's also something that really can help people if they have underlying sicknesses, like of course, people who are diabetic, they can't do something like that. So people need to be working with their health professionals on, on particular health concerns. This process following a path like this can actually help you to create healthier cells, break down old ones that might be problematic, you know, essentially could potentially lead to cancer if you weren't leading your health the way you needed to. So it's just a healthier way to live, but also feels pretty extreme to most Americans. Because we're all told, well, you need breakfast is the most important meal of the day, and you should eat something within a half an hour of waking up in order to jumpstart your metabolism. But the research is showing that's simply not true. Breaking fast is that. You're simply breaking your fast. That's what the word breakfast comes from. I think you've discovered that. Beautiful. Well, thank you. Thank you. It took took a while. It was a journey. And I love the journey. I love the process. It took a while to get here. Yeah, well, you know, you seem very healthy. You're loving what you're doing, pushing that tractor tire down the street and small feet, right? I wonder as you're you're looking at the whole of what you contribute into the world. You've got this part that's business. You've got that's part that is involved with the Bedford collab where you're helping others to succeed and thrive. And then you've got this piece involved with the tractor tire, pushing it down the road and going ahead and um, bringing awareness to these not-for-profits that need support, especially now. In the face of everything, how are you measuring success in your day-to-day? What particular things really stand out to you is that I know I've succeeded today because? I know I've succeeded today because everyone that's around me is happy. Everyone around me is just as successful in their own way. I have two friends who call me their manifestation coach. I don't know why they started this, but they did. But whenever I reach out to them and they've and they're having a good day and they've said all these things that they've accomplished and my brothers and my family they're like hey we're doing all these good things and they're accomplishing their their goals for the day or when I'm at work I'm teaching my fitness classes and I'm seeing individuals who couldn't do one push up now are doing 50 push ups that is how I rate success I love that you referred to yourself in this setting as a manifestation coach. They, look, my, they started that and I'm going to run with it. I like it. I do believe in manifestation and that's what they call me. So I'll go with it. 
Well, measuring success through happiness is something that I think we all need to get a little bit better at, right? Rather than just comparing yourself to your neighbor or somebody who drives a better car than you. (laughs) That is so stressful. That's problematic too. If you comparing, oh my, and I've heard people talk about that and say those types of things. And I'm like, I could never do that to myself because you're creating so many bad energy and the pressure on yourself to try to strive to get that good car that's going to break down in like 10 years. Like, it's, it's not really worth it. And does it really bring you joy the same way that putting a smile on somebody else's face might? I mean, are you really happier once you have the car in your garage or parked in front of your street, you know? Just parked. Yeah, just parked. Yeah, or just parked. Yeah. Well, I love that sentiment. Now, I'd love for you to just go ahead and break down for me once more this book that you co-authored. I realized I don't think we even shared the name of it. So what is the name of this book? How do people get it? Mind Shift 2020. You can reach out to me personally on my social media and I will send it to you. I don't want to go through the whole Amazon thing. Just contact me directly. I'll package it, get it right to you. I love that. So I can definitely share the links to that in our show notes today. So I'll just encourage everyone to go ahead and look at that when we sum up the the rest of this talk. Now, are there other charities or conscious companies that you would like to highlight a little bit? Perhaps even we could bring them on a future show. Absolutely. So there's one, there's one that stands out, Young and Established. It is a nonprofit here in Evansville that I plan on helping by raising funds at some point. But the founder, Mr. Courtney Johnson, he just opened up his first community center. And we know Young Establish? Young Mm -hmm. and Established, yeah. And he opened up his first community center. And it's so important that neighborhoods have community centers for families and for children because we understand that if a community center moves out, then that really does hurt the neighborhood, especially from the kids' perspective. No place to go, nothing to do. They're at home all day. Could probably find themselves in the trouble. So uh, it's very important that uh, we do our best, whatever that means to you, to support your local community centers. I completely agree. Here, and I think this is pretty much everywhere, a lot of the community centers have just had to cease most of their operations because they can't run the programs that they ran before. A simple, for instance, in my case, is my son um, is in kindergarten for the first time. And the local community center runs an after-school kid care program that's actually on the elementary school grounds. And so parents wouldn't have to stop work in the middle of the day, go get their kindergartner, take them to whatever care situation that they have for the rest of the day, and then go back to work, which is kind of impractical, right? So they had this really great service. Well, it's shuttered because of COVID, as many things are. On the heels of this, as we start to emerge, I think we really need to think about how we're connecting with our community centers, the types of services we're ensuring are provided seamlessly. If something like this happens again, you know, so that people that have need for support are getting the support they need. There's something else that's been happening locally, which I imagine is um, going on in other necks of the woods and probably in Indiana too, where a lot of the kids had been relying on their school lunches for a healthy meal each day. And so suddenly now they aren't going to school, so they weren't getting those lunches anymore. 
And so community centers, churches, and schools came together to pack lunches together that parents could then come and pick up so that their child could have a healthy meal that day. I mean, it's really sad that we even have to be there, that economically there are so many people that are living in that level of poverty, but it's also the reality of right now more than any time in in my life's history. Yes, and you are right. It is happening here in Indiana, the school corporation. There's a nonprofit called Feed Evansville, They've come together. Churches have come together to other organizations have donated and volunteered. Everyone is is doing this pack, packing lunches for for children. But it's interesting to see, you know, we're, we're doing this. We've accomplished it. And I truly believe that we could end, you know, local food hunger. Oh, maybe on a world scale, I don't know, but definitely in our communities, I think we can definitely slow down, slow it down, especially we coordinated amongst ourselves about how to really streamline this process. I think we could, in my opinion, anyways. Well, it's possible that you're already working to create that with this Bedford Food Club, right? <laughs> yeah, more, working towards it, working towards it. Yeah. So before we transition to kind of the end of the show, I'd love to just hear from you what you want our audience to remember, like the soundbite, the piece that they should take away as they go on with the rest of their days. The the one the takeaway that I would l- love for your listeners to I would I would have to say taking ownership of your life, accomplishing what you truly want. Don't listen to the negative comments, things people are going to say. Uh, remember, when you accomplish your goals, unfortunately, you're reminding people that they couldn't accomplish theirs. And I know that is a negative thing to say. I wish people wouldn't hate each other when you see someone else accomplishing their goals and striving to get to the next level of their life. But unfortunately, we do have individuals like that. So I would say take ownership of your life. That's so important to me. And then uh, lastly, I would love to add, take care of your body, take care of your temple. Yeah. And it's so important. Now, this show will air on your birthday in one week. <laughs> so, so if I was to give you, DeAndre, a birthday present, what would you want for your birthday? No, this is great. The the podcast on my birthday. So I don't have to worry about <laughs> posting, you know, like happy birthday. I can just post this. This is perfect. <laughs> this is a great birthday gift. Yeah. So as you go one year forward. It's kind of a new year for you. Is there something you want to do in this next year that you haven't done yet? I want to go skydiving. Well, that is really fun. I really need to do that. Yeah, I I have done it personally once. I jumped out of an airplane over Hollister. It was one of the most exhilarating moments of my life. Now, I have zero fear of heights. I just got my 23 and me back, which is a genetic test, right? And one of the things I found really interesting in it is it says, has the gene associated with people having zero fear of heights? And I'm just like, could that be genetic? I mean, I never thought oh it was genetic. Gosh. I thought it yeah. was just like, you know, I'm also about 2% Neanderthal, which I'd already suspected. But, you know, it's it's interesting to look into where genetics is actually taking us. Like they're even looking at behavioral patterns or psychological patterns people. And that was one of them that was a surprise. I will say this. It's a lot of fun. If you are fearful, you're going to find out you enjoy one part of it more than the other. It's either (laughs) going to be the free fall 
Some people love the free fall. Some people love being under canopy. I was 100% in love with both things. The reason I don't have this as an everyday hobby is purely because my husband is terrified of skydiving and I couldn't add just another hobby that he wasn't involved in. So Mm. that's that. Now, as I get ready to wrap up, I have a few words. I realize not everyone can be DeAndre. DeAndre, I love what you're doing. Thank you. Thank you. But we can reach out and support his cause so he can keep rolling with the Keep Rolling campaign in Indiana and beyond. I invite you to take action. It doesn't have to be huge. It could be as simple as sharing this podcast with people in your community or reaching out and saying happy birthday to DeAndre on social platforms, perhaps as a kind of birthday gift to him so he can reach more people with his story and inspire them to step out into the world and be a part of the solution in today's world that we all need. Now, to find suggestions like this and others, you can always visit our website, caremorebebetter.com. There you will find an action page, I am going to feature a picture of you with that truck tire, DeAndre. (laughs) Yes, thank you. Thank you. (laughs) That will link to what he's doing. And you can look at other projects there as well. I invite you to join the conversation and be a part of the community we're building. You can follow us on social spaces at Care More Be Better. And you can even connect with us directly by sending an email to hello at caremorebebetter.com. As a reminder, this podcast is not backed by any company. If you like what we're doing and can afford to contribute, you can support the show by donating directly on our site or by subscribing as a patron on Patreon. Just visit caremorebebetter.com and click the donate button. Thank you listeners for being a part of this pod and this community because together we really can do so much more. Thanks for listening to Care More, Be Better, a podcast for social good. To make sure you never miss an episode, subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to podcasts. And share with your friends to help us reach more people and spread more social good.